Hello, welcome to the Suffolk Money Podcast. As you know, this is a podcast that is targeted on Suffolk and its people and the wonderful activities that go on there in businesses, in charities and in community ventures. We recognise the fact that with money, there's only three things we can do with it. We can spend it, which is why we want to talk to businesses. We can save it for the future, which is why firms like King Street Wealth who support this podcast are involved. Or we can give it away. And therefore, we love being able to talk to local charities and community causes. So today we're taking the opportunity of speaking to the Blue Cross. Now, I know a little bit about the Blue Cross, but I didn't really understand just what an enormous amount of work that they do. So today we're speaking to Claire, who's the manager at the Blue Cross Ipswich branch, about the work that they do in Suffolk and how the last year has impacted them in terms of the animals that they've had to rehome and also how their revenue and their projects have been impacted by the reductions caused by the pandemic. So, okay, people will have heard of the Blue Cross, but perhaps they don't know too much about its history, its background. What, what are you able to tell us? Yeah, I can tell you. Um, the Blue Cross was um, originally started as um, Ardon Friends League, and it started in 1897, so it is actually quite a historic organisation. Uh, we've actually had a centre in the Suffolk area probably about 60 plus years. We were based in Felixstowe before we moved to our current location in Ipswich in 2016. And this location was actually purpose built for our needs. So it was uh, built from, um, from scratch. And compared to our Felixstowe centre that was, we absolutely loved being there, but it, we just outgrew it. Um, our whole Felixstowe indoor buildings would have fit inside our reception building in our new site. <laughs> so it's a lot okay. bigger. Yeah. Well, well, in some ways, that's a shame, I guess, that you need bigger resources because of the work you do. But on the other hand, at least you're able to deal with what's coming your way. I think it um, helped us spread out as well. We have a lot more outdoor space and a lot uh, Suffolk Centre. It was all under one roof, so the cats could hear the dogs. And it just, yeah, wasn't ideal in that situation. And we were (laughs) quite close to houses as well. So we've been able to spread ourselves out. And we also uh, rent a bit of our land at the side of our site. It's a woodland. So it's ideal for taking the dogs for walks around. So it's really nice little woodland, um, area for them to explore and sniff around. Oh, that's fantastic. So so how long did you say you've been at the the site at Ipswich? We've been at the site in Ipswich since 2016. We moved in at the end of January. Right. Yeah. And it sounds like you were in the Felix Doe Centre beforehand. Yes, uh, in Felix Day Centre, uh, we had had a couple of locations in Felix Day, uh, but the one on the High Street in Bolter, we'd been there, I think, around about 40 years. Um, I started working um, at the Felix Day Centre. I've been with Blue Cross just over 19 years now, <laughs> to show my age, and um, before that I was a volunteer. Oh, well done. Well, that's amazing. How has the Blue Cross changed in the time that you've been with them? Uh, yeah, we've adapted over time. Um, we're always kind of uh, trying to come up with new things to do, new ways to help animals. And um, so we moved from our old site in Felix Day to the uh, current one. Uh, we've also adapted our rehomes, uh, ways of uh, rehoming animals as well. Uh, we've 
probably about five, six years ago, possibly a little bit longer, we started what we call our home direct scheme. So that's where animals, if they can stay in the current home, they can stay with the current owners until a new owner is found. Just means the animal uh, can stay in a home environment rather than um, having to come to a cattery or kennel situation. And we've also increased our fostering side. So again, even though our facilities are absolutely brilliant on site, Imagine if you ask a dog, would you like to be in the kennels or would you like to be on the sofa in front of the TV with someone? They're oh. probably going to go for the TV and the sofa. So wherever possible, we try and uh, kind of help them um, in an environment outside the centre. It just means then that the higher welfare animals that haven't got that home environment, um, can, we can um, save the resources at the centre for those. That's really great description of, you know, I'm sure, you know, everyone would want to have a home, wouldn't they? And um no, that's no different for for a pet or an animal. So, what, what are the what are the is, is there a restriction on the types of animals that you deal with? Um, the Blue Cross we um, only rehome and um, pets, so standard pets at the Suffolk Centre. On site, we're only able to cater for dogs and cats, but we are able to have um, small animals, so such ones as rabbits, guinea pigs, hamsters, mice, gerbils, rats, chinchillas, and. Um, um, but with those, we tend to help them more in the fostering situation. So we've got um, a real good um, base of um, small fosterers who um, an animal needs to help. We'd go for a call and we'd arrange for the animal to go into their care while we're looking for a new home. We've actually seen such a massive increase in uh, smalls needing our help, especially over the last year. I'd say it's been doubling each year for the last three years. Really? And since the pandemic started, we've helped 114 small animals. Yeah, it's kind of unheard of um, compared to I mean, dog-wise since the pandemic started. We've helped 97 and with cats, it's 169. Wow. That's some big numbers there. Yeah. Uh, and it's obviously we've reduced staff and um, obviously with the COVID restrictions as well. Absolutely. That's an incredible task to, to carry out. Um, so, yeah, just drilling down to understand some of those numbers. So... Um, did you say 97 dogs? 97 dogs right. and um, where possible we try to have them more in foster homes rather than on site mm. uh, but sometimes um, they need to come into our care and stay on site. Uh, with cats um, we've had quite a few um, cats especially in the last couple of months coming with kittens or kittens uh, born in, in our care and fortunately because um, people aren't um, nutrient animals as much as obviously we'd like we haven't quite a few of them born when actually the cats and the mums themselves are only kittens themselves oh, and quite a few of them really struggled giving birth so had to have c-sections mm. um so it's a bit more traumatic for the, both the mum and the kittens and it's um, more, mm. yeah, more dangerous for them so how old uh, can a cat be or i suppose they're still a kitten when they can uh, uh, you could get them from about six about six months on. They could start really? to get pregnant from about five months. So what's the um, recommended age to, to get a cat neutered then? Uh, we neuter ours really young. Uh, we neuter them as soon as they're physically old enough. And that's uh, when they're around about um, nine weeks old. That might sound really young, but actually it's, they get over it so much quicker because it's such a small operation. And that means that then our kittens that we be home are already neutered before they go out to the home. There isn't the danger of that. Do you get them before um, they've managed to get pregnant already? And this is the issue that you're having to deal with, where yeah. cats are just, uh, you know, they're getting pregnant early on, it, and, and and you're thinking that the owners who then just thought they had a lovely little kitten who was 
all cute and furry suddenly has lots of other kittens as well. Yeah, we're um, seeing across the organisation, I mean, quite a few of the cats that we've helped with. Um, originally, there was the, the owner had taken on a single cat, didn't realise it was pregnant, had kittens. And then even though some of those have been neutered, they've then ended up with over 20 cats because they keep neutering and keep breeding before they can be neutered. Yeah. And you've also got the issues of them then potentially being um, interbred and just health issues because they're so Some young as themselves. Yeah, 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 absolutely. So do, the other bit that astonished me, I mean, the dogs and cats thing, we'll come back on to in a minute because obviously dogs and lockdown and so on, that's, that's almost a big story in itself, isn't it? But um, it's the small animals thing because, again, uh, so I know we've already spoken, so I can tell you, uh, that, you know, hamsters, we've got a little tiny, a uh, couple of little hamsters, one of which we yeah. have on <laughs> yeah. somebody else. So I think of hamsters, lovely, great fun, but some you just cannot pick up. You know, they are so no. fast and they're really not very sociable. I mean, it might be that people just assume that a nice, furry little creature is going to be lovely and marvellous. I think that's the thing with a lot of the smaller animals. I don't think people realise um, how long they can live for, you know, um, especially like rabbits and guinea pigs. They can live for, you know, um, six, seven, eight, nine years old. Uh, if they've been bought for a child, um, quite often the children suddenly lose interest after, you know, a couple of weeks or months, let alone um, several years down the line. Um, so it's making sure they have the correct enrichment, but also it's the correct pet for that household, what they're looking for. Um, rabbits do need a large area. A lot of times they um, are, we define them as quite small hutches. And we do also find that quite often pet shops don't always recommend sizes that ourselves and other organisations like the RSPCA would. Um, and I personally, if I had a rabbit, I think I'd actually go for a small shed because they're similar prices to the hutches, but actually it means in the winter, at least you can go in, you can stand up, you're not out there in the rain, and it gives a nice area for them. You can actually spend time with the animal rather than only really spend time with them in the nicer weather that sadly often quite often happens um yeah, we, so yeah it's just having that kind of space yeah we we have a, a neighbor actually who has several rabbits and they have a shed and the rabbits are in the shed and yeah, yeah they disappear in and they can spend the time in there and yeah do, do small animals need stimulating I guess that's also it, another. It, some it depends on the species. Yeah, right. okay. depends on the species. Um, and also you've got some smaller animals that uh, might be nocturnal. So again, not great for um, children. Um, other ones are really good to kind of watch. Like say with hamsters, yeah, they can be really entertaining. So can mice. Um, but um, they don't always like to be handled. I'd say mice mm. probably prefer to be handled more than um, hamsters do. But again, it's doing it in the correct way so with mice making sure that you're supporting the whole body weight never picking up with the by the tail or anything like that yeah, and it's just nice. learning a bit about what those uh, particular animals are used to i know with chinchillas again a lot of people do really tall cages but um chinchillas are hopping animals so they don't tend to climb so having a really tall cage it's actually a bit lost on a chinchilla because they need areas to actually walk up and you know hop up um, so it's just having that you know, kind of correct knowledge for that particular species. But yeah, yeah I think um, out of our 114 smalls that we've helped since the pandemic started, 49 of those have been rabbits, mm -hmm. and a lot of them have been quite young um, rabbits, and we've had ones that have um, given birth when they've come into our care. Right, so again, the same situation we were just yeah. talking about with uh, with the cats, but I mean, rabbits are known for that, aren't they? So it's a story. Yes. <laughs> Uh, worst thing it's the first time um, since I've worked for the Blue Cross we've actually had baby bunnies um, oh. and we had two 
two litters um, basically within kind of six months, the same six months. And I think there's also the issue that um, owners find, but also organisations and vets find is um, correctly sexing the animals, mm. um, especially with rabbits, it can be really difficult. And quite often there'll be that, oh, we think it's this sex, but we'll check again in a week's time. And that's sadly why I think a lot of times people are finding that their two boys, one of them suddenly given birth because mm. they haven't been correctly sexed. And I'd love to say, oh, it's just people not understanding, but it's quite tricky because yeah, I've known quite a few vets that have got it wrong in the past. Yeah, obviously isn't as easy as we might think. <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> uh, even the experts get it wrong. That must be difficult. Um, yeah. Oh my word. So, so that sounds to me as though um, some of this is people not really being fully aware of the commitment. That's yeah, I think there's um definitely we're trying to do a lot more education and uh, promoting certain cage sizes as well and those other organizations um because uh, quite often when the um, smaller animals come into us if they are in poor health often it is related to the accommodation they've been kept in um either it's not been cleaned out as often they've not been given the correct food i know with guinea pigs it's really really important for them to have their and their greens obviously it's like rabbits well but guinea pigs they can have really bad problems with it also you've got with rabbits in the summer they can be prone to a fly strike if they're not being having cooler areas so it's on those bits i don't think people always realize how much um care and additional um requirements they have I think even going back to when I was a child, it's, oh, you just had a hutch in the garden with a rabbit. Uh, it's so much more than that now. And um, we've got a member of the team who her rabbit um, quite often goes down to the vets, I'd say, every couple of months to have their teeth filed because their teeth keep growing. Uh, it's those kind of bits that, yeah, we've had rabbits come in with ingrown nails, have gone right into their pads and got their teeth that have started to cause injuries. Um, so it's these little bits. If you're not checking the animal each day, you wouldn't necessarily notice. Yeah, yeah, no, that's, that's, that's it. I think there's, it's, they might seem quite small. I mean, I know you use the term small, but that doesn't mean that you ignore them, does it? And, um, no, yeah, <laughs> they can be quite complicated little things. Yeah. yeah, yeah, absolutely. They're still a living thing that needs taking care of. So um, so let's uh, deal with this issue with dogs then. Let's, let's uh, talk yes. about dogs because everyone seems to have a dog now uh, we haven't got one yes. but I've been plagued by my family oh can we get a dog and I keep thinking no because again there's a responsibility and um, what's happened in the last year that's driven people to all what everyone wants a dog I think um people working from home has definitely had a big impact in it and obviously uh, people on furlough I mean last summer alone we had a 500% increase in people applying for dogs right. so obviously had a reduced number of dogs available but every dog that we haven't going available we have just been inundated with people desperate to take these uh, dogs on um we had an increase in cat side but not to the same level i think that was about 100 times increase but yeah with dogs it's 500 and people are getting really desperate wanting animals that they're wanting to do the right thing but sadly that has meant that there has been some online scams that people have been caught up in i know some of other centers were sadly brought into it even though they had nothing to do with the mm. uh, situation where people have given certain percentage of the fee of the dog over the internet and then arranged to meet at a location sometimes those locations have been rehoming centers like the uh, blue cross even though yeah. we've had nothing to do with the actual online sale and then the deposit the person's paid 
um, they've lost that and actually the puppy never existed oh, <laughs> and goodness. people are being conned out of money the amounts that dogs are exchanging money for has increased so much it's just overwhelming I mean we've heard of dogs um, going for up to ten thousand pounds and quite often they're between the three and the five thousand pounds and these are dogs that a year beforehand probably would have been more like um one thousand pound or if not less um, mm. so people are really cashing in it there are some really responsible breeders out there that are doing all their checks but sadly it has opened the doors for uh unscrupulous ones who are selling pups who either aren't in good health or um, they are stealing them and then selling them on or actually advertising a dog and there's not being a dog there at all well i suppose we're increasingly familiar and it's very sad and painful that it seems to be that almost in every aspect of life there's people who are trying to make money from it in unscrupulous means or they are scamming people and it sounds yeah. like uh, that's happening in the world of pets yes definitely i mean we've also trying to give people advice and um, we've got lots of bits on our website about how to and um, the best to avoid your dog being stolen and not leaving them uh, left alone like so chops or anything like that mm. not actually putting the dog's a name on their tag uh, trying to do slightly different routes if you can and just being mindful of where you are as well because yeah, sadly there have been cases in the news where people have been attacked for their dogs obviously never leave the dog in the car anyway because of the heat but again um the increase of it being stolen and just making sure your your garden your is secure it's not obvious that you've got a dog there they're not able to see on that side um but the blue cross is working uh, with the government and police forces across the country to really tackle this dog theft and we're supporting the movement to have tougher sentences for offenders as well we've been uh, working alongside this because um previously the um, sentencing was so mild that it was worth the risk sadly for these people to do that because they knew the outcome even if they got caught was minor this whole thing is getting people to totally change everything that we've ever known yeah. and the, the whole thing of having just tying a dog up outside a shop while someone goes in you just think well that's just how it is and everyone just takes that yeah. on trust but obviously it sounds like the last year or maybe longer i don't know has totally changed something that we've all been used to all our lives yeah it's just um almost thinking of it, if it was your car you wouldn't leave the car unlocked mm. and a lot of times people are actually spending more money on their buying a pet than a, a car I've, I've known of people who have been saving up and got loans out so they can buy a puppy um because mm. it's meant so much to them because yeah during the last year people have been at home they've wanted that company and quite often people may have wanted a dog for many years but haven't been in a situation to have it because yeah. or I, you know they might work full-time so having a puppy wasn't suitable but this last year has given people that opportunity so it's really increased the demand for pets um that's obviously been really a great one way for organizations like ourselves that we've been able to re continue to rehome but sadly it has yeah opened up the market for people who are going to be scrupulous <laughs> That's dreadfully sad. So do you think that could change? So conscious that people have spent a lot more time at home in the last year. Um, some people have had to work from home. Um, some people will obviously be able to carry on working from home. But if circumstances do impact families and there's no one left in the house, is that going to have issues with dogs and their behaviour? I think it will affect um, many pets and um, I mean, we've been very keen to promote people getting 
the animals used to being left um, because yeah, if people go back to suddenly working full time, it is going to be a shock to the animal system, especially if they were um, obtained during the uh, pandemic period. So I've always known people to be there. So it's gradually getting the animal used to being left. And there's lots of different ways you can do it, you know, and leaving them for short periods, having radios on the other room, just making it really kind of nice and gentle increase to it. If you know you're going to be going back into the office in, say, a three weeks time, start from as soon as you can rather than waiting the week before and also a lot of people are taking their animals their dogs into the office as well that's an, also an option that people are doing so mm. it's making sure that your dog's used to that and if there is going to be a journey um, that that dog would be used to it so either going in the car or if it's public transport uh, what you don't want to do is the first time you take it on public transport is the half an hour journey to work you know do it nice and gradual just get them used to it um, especially over um, the last year Dogs have had a, a lot of time spent with them by the owners because people have been around more. But the downside has also been a pandemic is people haven't been able to interact with other people as much. So if we've not been getting close to other people, that also means dogs haven't. Um, dogs, so they might not have had much close contact with other dogs or with people. Um, so it's just making sure that they are kind of used to that and it's not scary for them. Just really uh, what we always call uh, socialising them, so getting them used to that environment as much as possible. Um, so yeah, car journeys, lots of short ones, the time alone, it's just gradually increasing it. But our website has got lots of really good facts about it and a couple of videos because each animal is slightly different. Even people think, oh, cats will be fine. But if your cat's used to you being there all the time, they're going to miss you as well. Um, even probably some of these smaller animals. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, I'm sure you're right. You know, they, uh, you know our, our hamster would always come out uh, during the chase. Uh, yes. between five and six every evening um, and obviously last year we would typically be around then but not, not necessarily the case now but anyway um, yeah so I'm just intrigued to this idea of uh, if you're leaving a dog at home leave the radio on does that you know can can podcasts work as well can you leave a podcast yes on? you can leave a podcast yeah, <laughs> on so is it just that they I'm joking as hard they like the, the, the human voice that just, they get familiar with people they can hear that the they're not all by themselves as well yeah. and um, quite often people set up webcams as well I've got a friend who's got a young dog and um, literally they can check in on the dog even when the partner's at home just so they can see what the dog's doing because um, when you come back you might come back and the dog's at the front door wagging the tail and you think oh they've been really good but actually they might have been really stressed equally mm -hmm. so we've had dogs who come to the front door they look really worried but actually you've watched them on the camera and they've just been asleep and eating the dinner <laughs> and they haven't been that so it does show a bit more of the true nature um, and having a good chat with your neighbours as well, making them aware that you're going to be leaving the dogs soon. Um, it's just getting them on board. So if they do hear the dog, they can let you know rather than them not being aware. And the first thing they hear is the dog barking and barking and they only say something to you once it's become an issue. Yeah, yeah, that's a really good point. And you know, um, neighbour might be able to pop round and actually see your dog if you're on good terms with them. Yeah, yeah, very much so. Again, that's a, that's a really good point. So we, we, we've got some neighbours and people in the road who... Um, you know that their dog is a two two walk a day dog. You know, <laughs> pretty yeah. demanding. Um, but we've also got some people who didn't feel they could have a dog, but are being delighted to be able to take that dog out for a walk. So yes. almost sharing the love across the community. Yes, uh, definitely. Um, and maybe just that interaction. Funny enough, one of the things that comes up often in these podcasts is just community and getting people to talk to each other and how we've sort of lost that. But whereas the last year has been a good thing. Um, yeah. And, and animals are a great way, and pets are a great way of, of sort of sharing uh, a conversation, having a reason to talk. 
definitely if you're out on a walk and you've got a dog with you everyone comes and talks to you uh, if you haven't got a dog, you just have all walking along. It definitely makes a difference. <laughs> People do still talk, but maybe just yeah, as you say, there's more of, a, more of an interaction, isn't it? Now, yeah. The dog, te- the dog tends to break down the social barriers because they'll come up and sort of chew on your trousers or something, won't they? Whereas, yeah. You know, your neighbours won't do that by themselves, will they? So, <laughs> um, no, that's what that's yeah. Great, great tips there. These are really, really helpful. So, of course, I mean, in a way, we have unfortunately had to just talk through there. People not perhaps looking after their pets how they they perhaps ought to. When we were talking about the issues that you're uh, you're having to deal with in many ways. So, what 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 about people who are thinking of you know, getting their first dog or, or, or taking on a cat or a small animal for the first time. How how do you... So I suppose one option is to come to you to look for those yeah. that could be rehomed. But what about looking for professional um, ways of acquiring that? And, and, you know, who's a reputable dealer? Aren't, is dealer the right term that you use for... Oh, I don't know. I, I would it seems always a little bit underhand and the... drug-related when you're talking dealers. But, you know. I would also say first protocol would be um, a rehoming centre like ourselves. Yeah. Obviously, we do get young animals all the time, and we can also give quite a lot of advice. And um, we also have a follow-up service. So once the animals rehomed, we're also happy to kind of give advice and support on that side. Um, obviously, if people do have a say specific breed uh, that they're looking for, um, there are quite often breed rescues, but I would say you have to look into each one to see what they are because they're not governed by anyone. Um, but I'd also say if you are looking to take on a puppy and you've um, been able to get one from a rehoming centre like yourself, is making sure that you see the pup with the mums, that you actually see um, them in the home environment. And I'd say a couple of times, have a good chat to the breeder. The breeder should also be asking you lots of questions. If they're not, I'd again probably have a bit of a flag because they should be vetting you to see whether you're going to be suitable to take on their pups. That's a really good point, and I've never thought yeah. of it that way around. But someone who really cares for their animals will want yeah. to ensure. Uh, yeah. yeah, and all the they should always be um, and adverse vaccinations should always be microchipped as well for their dogs. Cat microchipping is looking to coming in, but any dog that you take on should already be microchipped. If they're not, sadly, they have a legal lead passed on this animal. It should be microchipped before uh, rehomed. Mm. Right. So that sounds to me as if anyone's thinking of getting a dog that actually you're the first place they should go to not the not the last they should be coming to you just to say first of all is there anything that, that fits the yeah. bill but also I mean, you've got all some our, really good pointers yeah our website has all our dogs that are available mm. um but it also has lots of tips of um, when you're looking for a pet, what kind of things, but also what kind of animal would fit your um, situation. Sometimes people might really want a dog, but actually a cat's more in line with what they're looking for. Or, yeah, quite a common one is people go for really interesting rabbits and then think, actually, a guinea pig might be more suited because of the, the children in the household. Not to say that rabbits can't go with children, just that quite often small children like to do a lot more interaction with them and rabbits aren't always as keen on that. Yeah, yeah, and rabbits, do rabbits have a longer lifespan than um, guinea pigs? I believe a little bit, but don't quote me on it. (laughs) I think sometimes it depends on the breed, but I think they do, yeah. Right, okay, yeah, so again, I think as much as, you know, the issue of losing a pet is a difficult thing, but actually quite a good life experience probably for children. Um, As you said earlier, the the difficulty with a 
with an animal that could live for quite a long time and is specifically bought for a child, um, you could find that that child is a teenager. And, and I think if not. you are thinking of buying an animal and rather than specifically buy it for the child, have it the, the adult will be the one caring for it and the child could help. Because <laughs> um, if they're relying on the child to be the main carer, that may not work out. See, there are some really work. responsible <laughs> children, but if, anyway. they're, if they're six or seven, they're probably by the time they're 12, they might have a completely different outlook. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And certainly being part of the family rather than yeah, just that's it. Just a toy yeah. that's almost sometimes seen as. Yeah, and it's how everyone's got to buy into it, really, haven't they? Um, yeah. Certainly, I know from experience, you know, several years ago with guinea pigs and now with hamsters, everyone says, oh, yes, yeah, they are, you know, whichever one of my children they're related to. But after a while, they're not interested, and it's the adults who end up sorting everything <laughs> Yeah, okay. So so it sounds to me as though you, you've got some great advice. So your website is a good place to start for that. Yeah, our website's really good. And we've got lots of facts and sheets on there and different information about various different um, uh, caring for different species and what to look out for them. Also lots of summer advice tips as well. So um, obviously it's finally starting to get warmer. And it's great for people like myself who love the sun. Obviously it can be really dangerous for animals. You can get heat stroke. And it's just making sure that you have um, cool enough areas for them. So um, we've, we've dogs and mentioned before, don't have them in cars, but having an area where they can cool down, you can get cooling mats as well. So they can lie on that and at least cool themselves down a bit also thinking of the small animals they can really get really an um, overheat and get heat strokes themselves and there's also lots of fun things you can do you can have like paddling pools with various different toys in it for them dogs to play in i'd say dogs don't think you <laughs> the cats would appreciate it but you can also do little um ice lolly fun so do like a a um ice tray and you can put bits of food in it and put water in it so then the cats will then like a little tuna ice lolly almost so they can then have that to and yeah, cool himself down, have a bit of fun as well. Goodness, it's just um, using a bit of imagination, isn't it? But that's great if you've got lots of ideas on your website, then mm. people who are maybe just looking for ideas as to how to keep their animals entertained yeah. or safe during and the summer. You've also at the moment got a lot of people doing kind of staycations as well. So I think with the moment, um, traveling abroad is obviously a little bit hit and miss mm. and more people are staying in the UK that's absolutely great especially if you've got dog friendly uh, accommodation um, but it's just being aware of, again like with leaving your dog um, that your dog's prepped for that so don't suddenly take them on a five-hour journey if they've only ever been used to a 28 a minute one so get them used to that they're comfortable in the car but also taking stuff that's going to help them feel at home so that their blanket their food bowls just stuff that they're going to be in a completely new environment. They can go, oh, well, at least my bed's here. It's, you know, I've still got something familiar there. I guess dogs have no idea that it's temporary either, do they? So that, so no, they're not going to go, oh, we're already here for five days. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so you could rock up at a lovely you know, Airbnb or something similar. Um, and, and the dog is thinking, have I moved permanently? Yeah. Is this my new place? You know, I'm not sure. So, yeah, that must um, be a huge... And quite often dogs are used to indoor kennels as well so uh, called crates so if they're used to sleeping in that in their normal home take that with them again to the holiday home so again it's like they can have their little bedroom with them and uh, just anything that's going to help them settle in and feel a bit more secure 
because yeah, what you don't want is the dog to get a bit worried, either toileting in the accommodation or chewing, or actually um, taking a few items of its own bits could actually use that bit. Yeah. Um, just and just being you, aware of uh, some dogs absolutely yeah aren't phased by it at all. Other ones are going to be a bit more worried because they've never had it before. And you're going to enjoy your holiday more if your pet who you've taken with you. I'm assuming we're talking yeah. dogs. You tend not to take your cat yeah. on holiday. Yes, uh, <laughs> dog. <laughs> but yeah, your dog is going to enjoy it more. But you'll enjoy it more. So yeah. yeah. So yeah, we're just talking about, walks. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. So you, we've just talked about what's available online. It sounds like the resources are amazing. What have you got at the Ipswich Centre though? What, what the Suffolk site? What, uh, well, um, well, we've got um, our main reception building. We've also got a veterinary suite in there as well. So we do actually perform operations on site once a week. So that's where we do our nutrient and quite often our dentals as well. Anything that um, requires x-rays would normally be done at a local vet who we contract to come in. We've also got a puppy unit and a kitten unit. At the moment our kitten unit is quite um, full of expectant mums and ones that have just been born. And we've also got a cat rehoming block and a cat admission block. And same with the dogs, we've got a dog emission block and dog um, rehoming block and um, an isolation for each of those species as well. And really excitingly, we've also got um, a play barn that's going to be um, started hopefully over the next month that's on site. And um, this will give us an undercover area where we can uh, play with dogs. We can um, do training sessions with them. We could also, once COVID restrictions lift, do events in there, uh, just gives us a a lovely space that we can use in all weather because at the moment when it's really really hot it's too hot to be outside when it's raining and windy you get to get blown around so it's just a really nice environment and fingers crossed that should be all started next month it's been um going on for before lockdown but obviously mm. once lockdown happened everything was on hold for that um, we're in a really lovely situation. It's actually being funded by an external party. It's by the Dr. Sheila Miller Dank Charitable Trust. Um, they've helped us in the past in various different uh, ways, but they helped us. They funded our kitten unit when the site was built. And yes, they're actually funding this whole project. Um, that, right. Yes, it could be absolutely ideal. It could be really good for new owners to meet their dogs there as well, um, especially if people have got. Um, any accessibility issues uh, rather than having to go to the kennels they can just um, go straight to the a play barn or one surface and yeah they can meet the dogs there or if there's another dog thing to meet so yeah, it's going to be a lovely area and we're really excited that it's, it's it was uh, all started just before lockdown then was on hold so we were a bit worried oh, but um yeah. it's yeah Fingers crossed in the next kind of month, hopefully they'll break the ground. We're just um, uh, finalising the bits for the planning. So that um, references something that I think you touched on earlier, which is this fact that um, so dogs that uh, perhaps uh, you know, were, were born in the last sort of 15, 16 months or whatever, probably have had very little social interaction with other dogs. Um, there is got to be that danger, yes. I think... Um, a lot of the trainers who I've spoke to, um, a lot of the people who come to their training classes have been coming specifically for that to make sure that they are getting the, tra- the interaction with other dogs. So there's some people out there that's doing really well. And I think if you've got other dogs in the family, you might be able to mix with them a bit more. But I know people who've taken on dogs and because they've had to keep distance themselves from other people, um, they've noticed that dogs have been 
become a bit more fearful and it's only the last couple of weeks when they've been able to get a bit closer to people they're like oh actually I know that dog yeah it's fine from the oh I'm a bit scared of you a few weeks back Mm -hmm. so it is really important especially for pups and um, to see these other dogs and actually have a nice experience when they do then they'll have a positive association with them. Whereas if they don't see them for yet yeah, until they're a year old, it's like, oh my gosh, what's this? It's a big thing coming towards me, it's barks. Yeah, <laughs> um, so yeah. it's just having that positive spin. Um, and I think it's all dependent as well, I think, how the people have been. But I'd say normal times people um, do quite well in socialising their dogs. But this has put on a, a block that I think most people haven't been able to get around. Yeah, well, if... We can't even socialise with other people. It's very difficult, yeah. I suppose, to then bring your dog as part of that. So, yeah, they must have suffered in all of this as well. So I guess the bit that probably is on the back of my mind as we're talking through all of these things and you just talked about some superb funding you've had for the farm, which is wonderful that you've had that level mm-hmm. of support, that you must be reliant on, generally, on people's giving, on fundraising, on income, that yes. is generated yeah. through all sorts of other activities. Um, yeah, what's also, happened in the last year? Also, like most uh, charities, we have taken a hit. Obviously, we do get um, funds in from our rehoming um, of the animals, but most of our main events had, were sadly cancelled or moved to online. We managed to do a couple of those. So we had our summer fate last year. We had a m- m- team members going going around doing a virtual tour and we had donations from that but it's never the same as having all the stalls on site and people looking around and so it has affected um what money we've had come in and we are obviously just looking forward to the future and just make sure that we can do more events from that and just being mindful of what we are spending Mm. so uh, have you got any idea as to how things have changed in the last year in terms of the income that you've, that's come in? I don't, I'm afraid, off the top of my head, have the amounts. Um, obviously, I know, yes, it has affected us. Um, mm. There has been, obviously, a lot of organisations. We've still continued to work. Um, right. We did have a lot of our team on furlough as well. That obviously right. has helped save um, some money. And, yet, um, sadly, with the events not happening, that has a, had a knock-on effect on the income. Yes. Um, but we on our fundraising team has done quite a few virtual events as well. It's a oh, new way that we wouldn't have done it in the past. Yeah, yeah. And I guess that's the way that there's some things that I suppose in working with animals, you could just carry on. That was a bit easier. Yeah. <laughs> but then there's lots of things that you know, have to do with people. You've just had to reinvent ways of working. Yeah, I mean, with our rehoming side, um, we did, um, well, we still are um, a lot more virtual than we ever used to be. So in the past, um, potential owners would come up quite a few times to see the animals. Um, But especially during the first lockdown, we were taking videos of the animals uh, and having um, kind of Skype meetings with potential owners. And it was really good. I mean, we had a puppy last year who we rehomed. And um, by the time the owners actually met the the dog, who was called um, Mervyn, they already had seen him play. They'd seen so much of him, they felt they knew him before the time they actually met him. And uh, once they rehomed him, they actually continued to send us videos. And a member of the team who had been fostering him, it was great for him to be able to keep in touch and see how the dog had changed. And we saw him like six months later, and he completely changed shape because obviously he was a lot older then. But uh, we have learned so much for doing stuff virtually. It's um, to save quite a lot of time but also saves a lot of uh, driving and distance and it has mm. just meant that we've been able to continue to rehome 
if we couldn't have done that, I don't think we would have been able to continue to help animals through the pandemic. Yeah, well, that's amazing. So how do you see things over the next few months? Do you get any indication of how people are behaving? And, you know, do you think you're just going to have a similar amount of demand? I think we're going to see an increase of animals coming to us. I don't think we're going to have an overwhelming um, amount. We are seeing more cats coming, I'd say. Um, And I think some of that is possibly related to the time of the year. We're seeing a lot more kittens and that is normal for this time of year. We're just seeing more than we did last year. Uh, I think with demand for pets, I think it has slowed down slightly, but it's still a lot higher than it uh, would normally be before pandemic. Yeah. So I think as soon as uh, people started to go to work, we did notice slightly less um, people were applying for animals, but still not a worrying level that we won't have an interest. We just weren't having the hundreds of form for the one animal that we sometimes get. I think we had a um, a Labrador cross that we um, put up for rehoming um, a few weeks ago and we had 170, yeah, over 100 people apply overnight for the one animal. So obviously, sadly, we had to let so many people down because we could only reserve it to one person. Well, again, in some ways, there's plenty of positives there that there's lots of demand for potentially responsible owners mm. to, to rehome. But uh, yeah, wow, that's just astonishing numbers. I think it's still staying high interest, but um, it's not as high as it was last year. That I think is probably a bit of a, a relief. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, very much so, very much so. Well, that's been amazing hearing about the work that you do. Um, again, it's a charity that I've seen a bit about and obviously seen in fundraise and so on, but really not had as much as an understanding as I probably ought to have done um, to, yeah. to just appreciate just the, the volume that you worked through. No, thank you very much for you know, inviting us to come on and talk about um, Blue Cross and especially Blue Cross Suffolk because, yeah, it's close to my heart. <laughs> worked for it for many years and, yeah, it's a key part of the Suffolk. And, and I think that's the thing, Claire, that just comes through is just, you know, your commitment to this. Obviously, you've been there for oh, quite some time. Um, <laughs> but, but, but you really know what you're talking about and you really care for those animals to make sure that they get into uh, to a home that really looks after them. So, yeah, well done for what you're doing. Thank you very much. And hopefully, as um, restrictions ease, we'll be able to have people back on site and be able to have events and we can start to let people look around the centre on our open days again. I'm sure you cannot wait for that. Yes, it is. I hope it won't be too long. Yeah, I really hope so too. (laughs) Thanks again, Claire. That's wonderful. Thank you. Thanks very much. Thanks, Colin. So I really wanted to thank... Claire Williamson, who is the manager of the Suffolk branch of the Blue Cross, for the incredible amount of knowledge and enthusiasm that Claire shows in her role, and just the really practical tips that she was able to give there, especially as we come into the summer, about looking after your animals, whatever size they are. So do take care of your pets, do take care of ones that you see around you. And uh, we just want to thank the Blue Cross for the great work that they do. I also want to just thank my team for Kevin and Sally for all the work that they do behind the scenes, just making sure that everything works well. And they make what could be a pretty ropey interview sound remarkably good. Um, So with that, we hope that you'll join us next time on the next Suffolk Money podcast. And if you can, please do rate us. We'd love to have a five-star rating from you so that other people can find what we're doing. 
um, and please do get in touch either contact us through the Suffolk Money website through Suffolk Money on Facebook uh, or just get in touch with us through the Suffolk Money Twitter account hopefully we will uh, catch up with you soon thanks for listening <laughs>